Praise the Lord, everybody. Y'all sound good this morning. There's some singers here, and uh, y'all sound good. Well, we're going to get into our Bible study. If you have your Bibles, let's grab them, and we're going to get into the Word of the Lord. And I'm going to ask a question that I think I know the answer to, but it's the, it's the subject of our lesson today. How many would like to be blessed of God? How many would like to be blessed of God? I think, I think we could probably get a 100% yes that we'd all like to be blessed of God. And so I'm going to talk to us today for a little bit about how to be blessed of God right now. Everyone said right now. You don't have to wait. You can start being blessed of God right now. And, and so I want to examine a few things. It may not be exactly what you're thinking, but I want us to look at how to obtain the blessings of God. And I want to begin by looking at Proverbs chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 22. Because when we're talking about the blessings of God, everyone said the blessings the blessings of God. We're not talking about man-made blessings. We're not talking about artificial blessings. There's a lot of artificial blessings out there, but we're talking about the genuine blessings of God. How many want to be genuinely blessed of God? And Proverbs 10:22 says, "The blessing of the Lord, it maketh truly rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it." Neither does toiling increase it. I've added that transliteration in there myself. And so true blessings are not always what we think they are. The blessings of God are not limited to our finances. See, I I think that there's an artificial construct that's been created in modern Christianity that the blessings of God always pertain strictly to our wallets. But the blessings of God go far beyond just our checkbook and our bank account and our wallet. There are some things that are far more valuable than gold and silver. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that God doesn't care about your finances. God does care about your finances. And the Word talks very often about finances. And so I believe that God does want you to be blessed in your finances. I pray that God blesses you abundantly in your finances. But I also know that in my life, I would rather just barely make it financially and have my kids serve the Lord for the rest of their lives because the blessings of God go far beyond finances. And so the blessings of God, true blessings, genuine blessings, They attach themselves to every area of your life, and your finances are just one small part of that. And so if you're fixated only on the blessings of God pertaining to your wealth, then you're missing out on all of the good things that God has for you. I would trade all of the treasures of this world for a few seconds in the presence of Jehovah. I would trade all of the pleasures of this world to be able to enter into his courts with praise. How many are thankful that we have heavenly treasure here today and God wants to pour it out on us? And so I'm praying for the blessings of God in your finances. I truly am. But I also know that that is only scratching the surface. 
I heard this week the story of a young man. He's my age, and some of you may be familiar. He's the creator of a popular video game called Minecraft, and he sold Minecraft to Microsoft for $2.5 billion. That's billion with a B. And he was only 30 years old when he made $2.5 billion. Has everything. He went to Beverly Hills. He bought an $87 million mansion. And he's been in the news this week because he's been writing about how he's suicidal And he just sits at home all day waiting for his friends who have jobs to get off work so he can party all night long. And nothing, all the money that he has doesn't fill the void in his life. His his wife left him because he was so miserable and he has $2.5 billion. Listen, wealth alone will not bring joy to your life. Wealth alone will not bring happiness to your life. And it certainly will not save your soul. Well, if I just had a little bit more money, I could serve God. No, no, no. Money has nothing to do. Serve the Lord first, and he'll add to your life out of his storehouses. And so I want the genuine. Everyone said genuine. The genuine blessings of God. So I've got to get this plane off the tarmac here. And so I'm going to begin with the first one, and that is... To keep the Sabbath sanctified. If you want the blessings of God in your life, you need to keep the Sabbath separated and holy unto God. Genesis 2 and 3. And God blessed. Everyone said blessed. The seventh day and sanctified. Set it apart and made it holy. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made when you set the sabbath apart and dedicate it to god completely the blessings of god will begin to flow in your life if you don't have time to give one day to god then you can't expect the blessings of god in your life isaiah 56 and 2 blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it someone said grab it You've got to grab this principle that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it. Mark 2 and 27. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You see, if you have this attitude that, well, I'm going to come and, and uh, I'm going to give God what he wants. I'm going to, I'm going to give him Sunday. I'm going to I'm going to do it. And if it's a drudgery to you, if you have an attitude that, well, I'm doing this for God. I understand that sometimes feeling like, well, I'm going to do this for God as a motivator. But God gave the Sabbath to you to be a blessing to you. God doesn't necessarily need it, but God designed it to be a blessing in your life. When you understand that when I come into the house of God, after trudging through a week, after going through the pollution and the sin and the junk of this world, if you listen to the news for very long, you're going to be so depressed, you won't even be able to get out of bed. But there's something about coming into the house of God on Sunday morning and saying, God, 
open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that cannot be contained. See, it's all about your attitude. You get what you put into it. If you come in and say, well, here I am, God. Here I am. I'm doing it for you again. And you're missing how God designed the Sabbath. God designed the Sabbath so that you could come with your heavy burdens and you could come into his presence and lay your heavy burdens down at the foot of Calvary. And that is a blessing in your life. And when you sanctify the Sabbath, when you set it apart, when it's not just like any other day, See, if you view Sunday like it's just any other day, Sunday is not like Monday. Can I get an amen? There is something about setting it apart and saying Sunday is the day that I have separated and made holy unto the Lord. You ought to make that a part of your lifestyle to say Sunday. Your neighbors ought to know on Sunday, that's the Lord's day. Your family ought to know Sunday, that's the Lord's day. I know we get sick. I know we have things and sometimes we have to miss. But if it comes to a place in your life where missing the Lord's day is easy and casual for you, then I promise you, you are missing out on the blessings of God. But when you set it apart and make it a priority, the blessings will begin to flow right now into your life. Someone said, keep the Sabbath sanctified. All right, moving quickly. I threw that one in for free. Now we're going to get into our main text in Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1. We're talking about how to be blessed of God right now, Psalms 1 and 1. And we're really going to be looking primarily at the first two verses, but you really can't read Psalms 1 without reading the whole chapter. So let's read the whole chapter together. And if you would, could we read it out loud together? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Someone said blessings. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, we're, we're going to look at three things that you must not do. If you want the blessings of God, three things that you must not do. And one thing that you absolutely must do if you desire the blessings of God right now. The first thing that you absolutely need to stop doing if you're doing it in order to receive the blessings of God is stop walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Stop walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Godly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Jesus is the man that Psalms chapter 1 is speaking of prophetically. But when we are in Christ, we are to become like Christ. And we too become a partaker in the blessings of Christ. And as we put on Christ and become more like Christ, we too are blessed. When I do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, 
I too am blessed. You and I absolutely, unequivocally need direction in our lives. In fact, that's why the Holy Spirit has come as the comforter to bring all things whatsoever Jesus taught to our remembrance and to lead us and guide us into all truth. Why? Because this world is nowhere near the design that God intended for it to be. We're dealing with a corrupt place, a toxic place, a dysfunctional place, a poisonous place, a broken place, and yes, a worldly place. And so we need direction from God to navigate this world. And yet many people who are Holy Ghost filled people who claim to be followers of Christ have developed an unhealthy comfort level with the world. And because of this, their lives are broken. Their minds are dysfunctional. They're not able to serve the Lord with gladness. They're not able to come into his presence with joy. They cannot lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. But this is not, everyone said it's not, it's not the will of God. It's the will of God for you to have the blessing of peace. It's the will of God for you to have the blessing of joy. But not just any old joy. We need the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. You are called to be blessed and to be triumphant over the fallen nature of this world. God has great blessings for you, and it begins by not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That word walking is important because when you take counsel, the counsel is directing your steps. Your steps are supposed to be ordered of the Lord. A blessed man's steps will be ordered of the Lord. But when you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, your steps are being ordered by something that is contrary to the Holy Spirit. You are, in fact, being directed by influences that are antagonistic to the Spirit of God. Now, there is no shortage of counsel available to us in this modern era. Everywhere you go, somebody is trying to give you counsel. Whether you know it or not, Hollywood would like to give you counsel. Whether you know it or not, the news media would like to give you counsel. Politicians would like to give you counsel. Lawyers, marketeers, media, they'd all like to give you counsel. Friends, family, enemies even (laughs) would like to give you counsel. You can go anywhere and get uninvited counsel. How many are tired of getting counsel and direction from areas you don't even want it? You don't even have to ask for it. It just comes. People just giving free advice everywhere. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody knows the answer, it seems like. You can go on the internet and find a little dab of counsel here and a little dab of counsel there. In fact, if you get sick and you get on Web Doctor MD, you'll think you have Ebola before you get done. The internet is full of counsel, and some of it might be okay, and some of it is just nonsense. 
And if you just go by what counsel is in style at any given time, you're going to spin in circles. What we need is clear direction from the Lord. The Bible teaches us where we can find good counsel. Isn't that the question? You may ask, how do I find godly counsel? Where does that come from? Who's godly? That's a very good question, and there's a very good answer. There is only one, everyone said one, there is only one who is godly, and he's God manifest in the flesh. The Bible teaches us what godliness is without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. God was received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3.16. How many know who that was talking about? How many know his name today? His name is Jesus. And he is godly. And he is holy. And he is righteous. And he is the counselor. The mighty God in Christ. The prince of peace. The everlasting father. Someone shout Jesus. Yes. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is godly and nobody but Jesus is godly. Any hope of anybody becoming godly is all tied up in how much like Jesus they can become. That's why when you're searching for good counsel, you don't need to find somebody who will give you advice that will just make you feel good or even make you feel motivated. I, I'm all right with being motivated. It's good to be motivated and positive and all of that good stuff, but just motivation is not good enough. Just something that makes you feel a little tingly is not good enough. What you need is godly direction in your life. You need to find somebody whose words align with the words of Jesus Christ. There are lots of soothsayers out there. You know, that was aligned in Scripture with sorcerers, witches, magicians, soothsayers. There's a lot of them out there, and they aren't wearing pointy hats, and they're not riding on brooms and mixing up potions. They don't have big warts on their noses. They don't necessarily look intimidating. You might not could pick them up out of a crowd because of their long black robe, but they're soothsayers nonetheless, and their words do not align with the words of Jesus Christ. We need direction that aligns with the word of God. I wish I'd get an amen this morning. Now listen, if ungodly people are filling your ears consistently, and you are following that direction, then you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly. By the way, that's why there's music that I don't listen to. Because I'm not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That's why there are movies and entertainment that I refuse to allow into my life because I'm not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That's why there's advice that I won't listen to. I don't have to be mean-spirited or ugly about it, but 
You don't have to listen to everybody who wants to give you advice. In fact, there's times when the scripture instructs us that you should walk away because there is counsel that you should not allow into your spirit because it blocks the blessings of God. Because when you listen to something long enough, you'll believe it. You were designed. Now, some of you aren't going to agree with this at first, so I'm going to try to convince you. You were designed to believe words. Let me ask this. Does anybody enjoy being lied to? No? Nobody? No. It's the most violating feeling in the world to find out that you've been lied to, especially by somebody that you love and trust. Isn't that the worst feeling in the world? The whole world is tired of being lied to because we were designed to hear truth and to believe truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The most unnatural thing in the world is a lie. When a word comes out of your mouth, it's supposed to be true. When it's not, when you lie, it's a part of this fallen world's system. Think about it. You wouldn't even have to lie if it wasn't for sin. What makes people like they what makes people feel like they should tell a lie? In the first place, it's usually to hide something that they shouldn't be doing, that they shouldn't be saying. Lies are about deception. Lies are about covering things up. And if you listen to lies long enough, if you listen to deception long enough, you will believe it because you were created to believe words. When the serpent approached Eve in the garden and began questioning and contradicting God, she entertained his counsel just long enough to believe it. So what are you listening to? Who's speaking into your life? What entertains you? What captures your attention? Who and what gives direction to your life? I pray that it's the living word of God because that is the only counsel that we can always trust. Now, it is true, of course, that there are people who speak his word, and we should listen to those people. But now listen very carefully. If they stop speaking his word, then stop listening to those people. If I no longer speak God's word, then you should not listen to me. There are a lot of people who put their confidence in people rather than God's word. And so when that individual deviates from God's word and begins speaking their own words, it causes people to fall into the counsel of the ungodly. I don't put my confidence in men. I put my confidence in the word of God. And you can only be sure that you are walking in godly counsel when you have the word hidden in your heart for yourself. There's a reason you should have his word hidden in your heart. You know what that is? That you might not sin against the Lord. It's also so that that you won't follow somebody else into sin. 
Because if you don't know the word and you're just relying on somebody else, then you will follow ungodly counsel and you won't even know it because you don't have his word hidden in your heart. His word should not just be in your ears. His word should not just be on your shelf. His word should not just be on your coffee table. His word should be in your heart. And it will keep you from walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Jesus told his disciples to stay away from the Pharisees because they were like blind men trying to lead blind men. And when the blind lead the blind, they both fall by the wayside. That's what the counsel of the ungodly does. It causes the leader and the follower to fail. All right. Someone says, stop walking in the counsel of the ungodly if you want the blessings of God right now. Number two, we're not going to get through it all. Stop standing in the way of sinners. You know what this means? It means stop hanging around sinners in their environment. Now, this one stirs up a lot of controversy because many people look at the ministry of Jesus Christ because he received sinners and he ate with them. And this, of course, made the Pharisees angry. But it's important to look at this in its proper context. First, Jesus received them and he ate with them. And when Jesus interacted with them, it was with no uncertain terms. He didn't say to Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, I, I'm coming to your house and we're going to throw a couple back tonight and party and have a good time. Jesus didn't say, uh, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house and we're going to chill and do whatever it is you do, Zacchaeus. I'm just coming to go with the flow. That's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus did. Zacchaeus said, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he said, today, salvation is coming. To your house. I'm coming over. I know you're a sinner. I know you got junk in your life. I'm coming to your house. Because I've got salvation for you. Okay. Now. I realize that you and I can't necessarily run around and shout at people. Hey. I'm coming over to your house. Today is the day of salvation. I know we can't necessarily do that. And here's why. The difference between Jesus and all of us is that there was no sin in him at all. He did not have a fallen nature like you and I have. Jesus had no impurity. He had no guile. He had no self-righteousness. Jesus could say things like that because he was God manifest in the flesh. And people received it from him because they perceived his righteousness. The righteousness of God emanated from his very being. And when Jesus interacted with sinners, it was not in a party atmosphere with good time rock and roll and passing the doobie around. He, people didn't expect Jesus to just come and go with the flow. They knew when Jesus came, he was going to have a message for them. And they had heard that he was a man who spoke like no other man. They had heard that he was a man that when he spoke, demons began to tremble. They had heard that Jesus was the kind of man that when he touched blind eyes, the blind could suddenly see 
And so they knew when Jesus stepped in their house, something was going to change. And that was the conditions that Jesus interacted with sin. And I'm not saying that you can't interact. We live in this world. We're not of this world. But I'm talking about just walking in and saying, I'm going to hang out with sinners in a sinful environment and act like everything's okay. You will block the blessings of God and eventually you will not serve God. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went into their environment to change their environment. And they knew it from the onset. They knew he wasn't coming to fit in. See, what we do is we cover, we sometimes pretend like, well, I just want to evangelize. I'm going to go over there. And I had a guy tell me one time, uh, you know, I go hang out at the bar. I don't, you know, I don't do anything, but I'm just there to kind of, I'm just kind of there to, you know, let my light shine. He wasn't letting his light shine. He was trying to be cool. He wasn't trying to change anybody. They were changing him. And so stop standing in the way of sinners. When you stand in the way of sinners, Jesus said you have your reward. That's how he said it. He said, I hope you enjoy your reward because uh, that cheap thrill that you're feeling right now, that, that's your reward. That, that little thing tiny moment of pleasure you're feeling right now that's your reward and enjoy that and enjoy that buzz that you're feeling right now because that is your reward but my reward goes more than a 30 second buzz my reward is in heaven my treasures are laid up in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt my treasure is incorruptible my treasure is more than just a feeling All right, number three, and this will be the last point I can get to probably. Stop sitting in the seat of the scornful if you want to be blessed of God right now. You can be blessed. You don't have to wait. You can do this right now. All of these things, you can do it right now. You can start right now, and I'm going to give you a, a guarantee. This is Ryan's guarantee. The blessings of God will begin to flow into your life in ways that you never thought were possible if you will stop sitting in the seat of the scornful. We do We do that a lot and we don't even know it. That means sitting down literally or figuratively and either being the giver or receiver of scorn. There is one who sits in the seat of scorn. We know of him as Satan and you don't want anything to do with his seat. Jesus once said to the Pharisees, you think you sit in Moses' seat. And what he meant by that was, Moses had a relationship with God that was so intimate that God allowed Moses to sit in judgment over Israel. You fast forward a few hundred years and they didn't have anything near the kind of relationship with God that Moses had and yet they thought they were just like Moses They thought they could sit in the seat of judgment just like Moses did. And Jesus said, you think you sit in Moses' seat, but you're nothing like Moses was. They were sitting in the seat of the scornful. It's the mocking. It's the sarcasm. It's the judgmentalism. It's the derision. When we sit in the seat of the scornful, it conjures up our fleshly nature. You know, you can come to church and sit on a pew, and you may think it's a pew, but you have transformed it into the seat of the scornful. And everybody else is receiving blessings, but your blessings are blocked because you're sitting in the seat 
of derision, the seed of sarcasm, the seed of judgmentalism, and God's trying to pour out blessings, and it's like you've got a great big canopy over your head, and everything that's falling is going right past you because of the seed of the scornful. When we're able to sit and look and constantly find the fault in other people, we're sitting in the seat of the scornful. When, when you get to that place and we've all been there and we've all had to repent of it and we all know people who get stuck there and they just can't seem to get out of that place where they're just constantly finding fault in everybody else. You know what's amazing about those people is they never see their faults. See, some of y'all want to say amen real bad right now, but you're afraid you'll offend somebody. Because we all know people, they get stuck in the seat of the scornful and they've got that beam in everybody else's eye and they've got that one, that one beam just hanging out of their own eye. And they can't see that, that they've got flaws. They're fault finders. It's human nature to find fault in everybody and everything else so that we can feel better about our own faults. And our own failures. And our own shortcomings. But that's fleshly. And it's scornful. If we would just pray. If we would worship. When you feel like you're stuck in the seat of the scornful. You know what you need to do? You need to pray your way into the presence of God. You need to worship yourself out of the seat of the scornful until you can say, I love my brother. I love my sister. I'm going to be an encourager and not a discourager because I need the blessings to begin to flow in my life again. Mm. We would just worship and enter into the presence of the Lord. God would wash us clean of that scornful demeanor. And he would pour out blessings. And better than that even, we would become more like Jesus. How many want to be like Jesus? How many want to do more than just say, I want to be like Jesus? Everybody will say they want to be like Jesus. But how many really want to put some effort into doing what it takes to be like Jesus? All right, I want you to notice the progression. You start by walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And if it becomes normal to you, before long you're standing in the way of sinners. And if you stand in the way of sinners long enough, it won't be long and you'll be sitting in the seat of the scornful. Listen, you need a place to sit, but don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Sit in heavenly places with Jesus. All right, I'm going to close with this. Those are all the things not to do. I'm going to take you to the last one here. One thing to do if you want the blessings of God. Y'all still want the blessings of God? Then delight in his law. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Because it really is all about desires. The key to the blessings of God is to delight in the Lord and in his word. How, how do you know what you're delighting in? 
What are you thinking about? What are you meditating on day and night? What, what is it that you think about when the room is quiet and, the, and it's dark and, and, and you're by yourself? What is it that fills your mind? Are you thinking about, are you thinking about carnal things or do you meditate on the law of the Lord. If you want the blessings of God right now, you will meditate on the law of the Lord. And when you meditate on the law of the Lord, his desire, here's the key, his desires will become your desires. You know what a lot of Christians want to do? They want to change God's desires to become their desires. It doesn't work that way. We don't change God to become like us. We change ourselves to become like God. His delight, His law, and we conform ourselves and we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And when you do, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to rip the umbrella from over the top of your head and all of a sudden the blessings of God are going to be poured out in ways that you can't contain. You're going to be blessed beyond measure. When you delight in the law of the Lord, stand with me all across the building. Stand with me. I want us to pray and I want us to ask that we would become more like Jesus today and that we would unlock the blessings of God in our lives. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would bless them indeed. I pray that you give them peace. There's people here today, God, that they can't sleep at night. They're struggling with depression. There are people here today, Lord, that are uh, dealing with anxiety and, and stress and anger issues, God, and, and, and disappointment and relationship issues, Lord, financial struggles. I pray that you would unlock blessings in their life, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that they would be obedient to your word in the name of Jesus. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.